This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Tug Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. Welcome to episode 23 of the Talk Republic. I am Carolina Guzik and today we have a fantastic guest. His name is Joshua King and he's a destination wedding photographer. He's been traveling all over the world photographing people in love and today we are chatting with him. Now you might hear me during this recording that I ask questions or that I read comments and those comments or those questions were actually from a live audience that we had on Facebook. So if you want to participate on future chats, make sure that you follow us on Facebook or that you join the Talk Republic at thetalkrepublic.com forward slash join to don't miss out on any of our live events. Enjoy this conversation. Alrighty, so guys, thank you for joining us today on this live broadcast. I am Carolina Gusica, I'm the founder of The Talk Republic, and today I'm super excited to introduce to all of you the amazing Joshua. He is a destination wedding photographer. We met here in South Florida, but he travels all over the world, and I thought that he was going to be a great guest for The Talk Republic to talk about his story, how he gets to travel all over, and to, you know, share with us a couple of fun stories about his travels. So, Joshua, welcome to The Talk Republic. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good. Thank you. And thank you for doing this. I think uh, it's awesome that you've started this little podcast and community. Now, more people need to do stuff like this, so it's great. It is good to connect with locals and I always tell people in the Talk Republic that they need to get out of their house and, you know, behind the computers and meet with local people. And if they're afraid, I mean, nothing wrong with just meeting local photographers and, you know, help each other and help the community instead of constantly thinking that there is new people coming that is, you know, ruining, just, you know, embrace the changes and, you know, help those newcomers, you know, get better at their craft and their business, right? Amen. <laughs> awesome. So I give a super, super broad uh, introduction. So what about you? Tell us a little bit about how did you become a photographer? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, this should be really fresh because I just spoke to a couple of the clients earlier today. So um, I guess my story, like most wedding photographers, we all kind of fall ass backward into this gig like nobody grows up saying, oh, I want to be a wedding photographer. <laughs> I didn't. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, for me, like I had this whole other life before photography. Um, I played basketball at a high level, I would say. And, um, yeah, just kind of didn't really plan ahead for a life after, after sport and um, had a really bad injury, which kind of ended it all. And so I was left to kind of pick up the pieces and, and do something different and um, just found photography literally from um, during the recovery 
face of my injury and kind of just taught myself videos and all of that stuff. And um, was engaged at the time. My wife, Amanda, is American. I'm Australian. Um, and we started the whole planning process of getting married and planning a wedding and all of that. And I guess um, it kind of happened simultaneously with me getting deeper into photography. And uh, so I guess I knew pretty early on that photography was all I wanted to do if, if I could no longer play basketball. Um, but once I uh, got to the States, moved here permanently, got married, then, uh, yeah, did a lot of crappy photography jobs. <laughs> um, you know, as you do, you kind of just say yes to everything. I worked in a portrait studio. Um, I photographed people's pets and random things like that. And, I didn't uh, know that about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it all. <laughs> um, but, and I eventually wound up at a fashion label um, as like the in-house photographer at a, I guess, a pretty high-end label that I won't name. But it's not as glamorous as it sounds. It was actually hell, um, really soulless. And, uh, yeah, I've kind of took a big leap of faith and left that job the day our daughter was born. I had probably shot five or six weddings and just sort of said, uh, well, I'm not going back to the studio. I'm just going to go out on my own and do the wedding thing and uh, put myself in like a sink or swim situation and um, been swimming ever since. <laughs> that sounds good. So yeah. how did you transition from or how, because I remember you photographed me and my husband like three years ago in San Francisco. That was really, really amazing. Yeah. And I remember having this conversation on the way back to the city. You were We were talking about another big name photographer that he travels all over. And you were like, I think that's really cool that he gets to travel. And that's something that I would like to do. So how did you kind of like transition into this destination yeah. wedding photographer that you have become? Um, it partly came from just my my story and putting it out there as someone who is from the other side of the world and falling in love and marrying somebody um, from a different background and different country. So I guess I subconsciously attract couples in, that are in this similar scenario. And in the US, it's quite common, um, especially in Florida, uh, where people will go away to college and, uh, you know, out of state or in wherever and they'll meet someone from somewhere else and then they'll start a life together and move somewhere else and they'll have to have a wedding at some point and they'll end up going somewhere else for that so that's it's it's there's a lot more movement in the wedding industry and in florida in particular is a really great place for people to congregate um so uh, i mean most people there's a saying like nobody's from florida everyone just moves here so True. Uh, yeah i mean out of all the wedding guests and whatever, um, most people will have a reason to come to Florida in the winter, visit grandparents or parents or friends or whatever. And so uh, when they have their weddings here and they're from somewhere else, they inevitably take their photos back to wherever they're from and share it with their friends and family. And if you've done a good job with the photos, you never really know where the next place you're going to go to photograph a wedding is. Um, so I guess it all started from just like, local weddings off shooting to their, their friends organically in different parts of the country. Um, and then also, um, as I was saying, being from Australia, I really made a conscious effort to go back and forth 
as often as I could just to stay connected with my family and friends um, on the other side of the world. And um, photography was always going to be a really easy way to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it would be nice sometimes to stay a little bit more local, but uh, I don't know. I think you, there's definitely a ticking clock on how long you can do the whole wedding thing. And so you, for me, like uh, traveling and seeing new places and keeping it interesting is kind of what lights my fire. So pretty happy doing that for the time being. That sounds pretty cool. And you touched yeah. something that I think is really interesting that I think a lot of photographers overlook. And I, gosh, I keep hammering this into the Talk Republic group. And it's like, you need to use your personal story to connect with people. And yeah, the fact that's that all you, you have. <laughs> yes. And like, I think that is such a simple fact that is completely overlooked in the wedding industry. Like, People, you know, showcase how many awards they have and how many publications, which I think is good, right? You need to, I mean, don't be shy about the success that you have had, but like something as simple as you said, as like your wife is an American, you're an Australian, and somehow in between you met and this is your yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really, um, I don't know, it's like, uh, I'm a big believer in the whole meant to be approach. And the only way that you give yourself a chance of making these what random connections and going on these random adventures is if you kind of share a little bit of yourself and put it out there and, and give people a chance to connect with it. And if they do and they find you and they like your photos and they like you as a person, you're going to have an amazing experience. And um, yeah, I find uh, getting to travel to these far out places and, and kind of shoot these really immersive weddings where you definitely feel a little bit more like a guest. Um, it's because I'm so open and willing to talk about my story. And, and um, yeah, it usually comes back tenfold with uh, people just being comfortable and getting great photos. Awesome. So pretty much as the old saying goes, it's like your vibe, no, your your vibe attracts, attracts your tribe or whatever the saying oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's good. get that tattooed on my cheek. Mm, maybe <laughs> the next, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so last year you went to a bunch of cool places. So I want you to tell us, like, where did you go? What did you see? And all that, you know, amazing stories that you might have to share with us. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, there's definitely some people out there that are doing it way more on the regular than I am. Um, but yeah, for me, I guess I went to some pretty interesting places and I'm going to a lot more this year. Um, Australia is a place that I always love going home to. It, it might as well be um, Iceland as far as I'm concerned. South Australia has, has a lot to offer and I'm very lucky to be from a place that's so diverse geographically. And um, so I think I went there four times last year. Um, other than being based in South Florida, uh, I shot in New York City, um, I shot in Switzerland in the mountains. That was incredible. Um, shot in Yosemite National Park for the first time, which was insane. That was really pretty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Caribbean a few times last year. And oh, India. You, so you went to I, Michigan also for Lara's wedding. Uh, yeah, Michigan. <laughs> and Hawaii. You're being very humble right now. <laughs> I honestly. I would have to look at the calendar and retrace all my steps because I feel like the last 18 months, two years 
it's just gone by so fast and uh, it's all kind of blurring a little bit. <laughs> would you say, like, like, would you, I mean, I know giving advice, it's a little bit difficult sometimes, but like, since you are Australian and you go back to Australia several times a year to photograph weddings, it also keeps you in touch with your family there. Would you advise photographers that have a different, you know, nationality or dual nationalities to try to reach out to their local market, the country that they left before or something to like get connections out there if that's something they're interested in? Like, do you think that's something that is cool to do or you just do it because Australia is a really cool country and it's nice to go back? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be in line with your personality, though. If you're otherwise, you can cross that line between being that person that's always in your face about what they do, and that's mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um, but if you um, kind of do it organically and just like let let your family and friends know who like what you do and and um, what you want to do, then they'll likely want to help you. So. Um, a great place to start is always if you're living somewhere with, where you're not from and you're and you think you might be interesting to go back and shoot in that place um your personal network is the best place to start that's what it all started for me um the first wedding i shot in australia was for a friend um and yeah everything kind of snowballed from there as it does so yeah i encourage everyone to, to stay in touch it's so easy these days i mean i have conversations daily with family and friends back in Australia um, yeah so you really should be tapping into just your personal networks uh, and then not in a salesy way just you know, no just staying connected uh, but you know I, yeah. I know so many photographers that they are either from South America or they are European and I think like if you are I don't know if you want to expand your photography then going back home could be probably the lowest, you know, hanging tree, you know, I mean, hanging fruit to, you know, go and connect with people that you are yeah. ready now should be the easiest step, I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, look, I guess my kind of philosophy on it is like the world is a huge place. And, um, I think people shoot themselves in the foot uh, by just like only focusing on where they live. That's great for business if you want to like go home after a wedding and sleep in your own bed and um, charge people by the hour and, and whatever. Um, you could probably run a very solid, very profitable business, but I don't claim to be a great businessman. I just kind of, I get so much enjoyment and intrinsic value out of um, the more in-depth travel experiences that I go through. So, yeah. So you said right now, you're not a, you're a businessman. You just enjoy <laughs> the travel, but at the end of the day, this is how you make your living, right? So yeah, it is. A little bit in more detail how do you without going into a specifics right but like how do you charge for a wedding that is in another city in another country what are the details that go into you know the budget for something like this yeah it depends i mean i lately i've been pretty pretty firm um price wise and just recognizing that uh you can't do this forever and can't travel every single weekend unless you just don't get time at home with family and friends and whatever. Um, but we're in a kind of a unique situation. So when we go to Australia, um, at least one trip per year would be a long one. So like six, eight weeks or something like that. And I'll take my whole family. And um, usually like that, that's kind of paid for with the first one or two wedding bookings. And then once I have my family over there, uh, 
for however long we're there, I'll do a wedding every weekend and make sure I get plenty of hang time during the week. And so I'm not nickel and diming couples for travel costs when I'm going somewhere that I'm going to be for an extended period of time. It's usually just the rate or package, whatever they end up looking. Um, for weddings around the US and other parts of the world, it's case by case. Uh, more often than not, it's um, full rate plus travel. But I keep it really simple and make it as easy for them to make the decision and not feel burdened with all of my travel costs. So I usually cap it at flights and um, I'll just go on and do a quick search on whatever airline and, and get a rough estimate of what the flights would cost and just pick a number close to that and then build it into their package. So it's just one nice neat invoice for them to worry about and not like a whole bunch of like, like Uber receipts and things like that. So I, you I, do your own bookings? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never leave that to chance. So, because I'm going to tell you my sad story. So I did photograph a destination. I mean, I have photographed several destination weddings, but my very first destination wedding, I let the bride and groom handle my traveling situation. And God bless them. They were great, but they put me on a flight that had a 12-hour layover, and I wanted to die. So yeah. after that, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take care of this on my end. So I make sure that, you know, I yeah. have enough time or plenty of time to relax or, you know, whatever I need to do. And I don't have a 15-hour layover somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And I think it could probably be pretty easy to make that mistake first time around because it's quite flattering and, and, and honoring when, like, somebody wants to contribute to your travel costs and wants to pay for it and books it for you and, it sounds like they're it's doing exciting. your favor. Exciting, yes. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. It sounds like they're doing you a favor, but you and I, as you know, professional wedding photographers, know that you just don't take chances with wedding planning. Like you've got to be organized and be on top of it. So, um, yeah, I like to control those those little things. And that way, I can also control my costs as well. Um, Correct. And look at the bottom line of what they're investing, and, and make sure I don't splurge too much with. Um, you know, flights and rental cars and stuff. So um, then the next the next thing on that list of the travel costs, I guess food and, like, transport wherever I'm going, um, it's usually that's stuff you got to pay for no matter where you are in the world. Like, if you're at home or if you're working in the office and you're paying for lunch, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, you got to pay that. You're not going to penny picker, you know? No, no, never. I just, I just think it's kind of ridiculous to think, just make it easy for people and, and um, yeah. I do think that it's easier to give them just like a rate and instead of like, oh, my lunch is going to cost this much and then my tax yeah. is going to cost, like just give them a flat rate and, you know, do the math on your end of how much yeah. this is probably going to cost you. Whatever whatever you feel comfortable doing and however you want to communicate that to the couple, I think, um, yeah, you've got to we find your style and, and way to approach that. But for me, uh, and then the last thing is accommodation. I kind of, that's the one thing I do leave in their hands. And it's not always because um, I just don't want to book it myself or pay for it myself. It's a little bit more because I want them to be in control of proximity. Okay. So I know, like, if they're having a, a backyard wedding with their friends in this big Airbnb for like 20 of their family members, then they stick me in, a, in one of the rooms in that house. Uh, with their family, then I know it's going to be like one of those like family hang time weddings where I'm just kind of shooting the whole weekend and hanging out with everyone and mixing it up like part of the part of the crew. Um, or if they stick me at like the 
uh, I don't know, budget motel, whatever down the street, I know that I'm probably just showing up. <laughs> I'm probably just going to show You're not up. feeling the love if they put you in the motel eight. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will, <laughs> that doesn't happen often, but I, I guess you can just kind of uh, get a feel for how much they want you around and just be sensitive to that and give them space when they need it stuff like that so um yeah and i'm pretty low maintenance too so if they said oh we've got a you know backpackers hostel down the street for you <laughs> i'll probably suck it up and stay there honestly don't mind we have a very interesting question from melissa well, yeah. let me put this on the screen so she says why do people hire photographers that are no local based solely on their work i feel like people can always find great photographers locally why they why they added the expense that's a great question. I, I don't know, to be honest. I think um, it depends where you live. Some people that might live in like really rural or rural fringe communities um, might really not have great options locally. Um, and some people, especially in the US, kind of live places that they don't necessarily like as well. They get land, they land in jobs or careers or move for a partner or family member or something. And so, um, yeah, they don't always have access to great photographers. Um, but you're right, like you throw a brick down the street, down the street these days, it'll probably hear a wedding photographer, no matter what city you are in the world. I think um, that it's it's also part of like the, the new kind of like culture of photography, right? You don't want to have a vendor, you want to have an artist that understands you, that understands your family and you probably are not going to find that with somebody that you have never met that is just going to show up at your wedding and then you don't know what's going to happen after. So I think people are willing to spend the extra money to have trust. At the end of yeah. the day, those are like the most important pictures, right? For sure. Um, yeah, I think, well, I, I, I rely on people to make an emotional decision when they decide to bring me somewhere um, and not necessarily a financial one. So I guess... That's why I think my work is, it looks a little bit more um, moody and emotional because I'm really trying to appeal to the people that have those heightened sensitivities when it comes to that, that type of aesthetic. And those are the people that are probably going to be able to justify in their mind the added expense of bringing someone um, somewhere awesome. <laughs> we have here one of the comments that says, hold on a second, William says, because Josh is amazing. So there you have it. That's why he's getting flown all over the world. Oh, man. But it's funny. Um, William it was my uh, art director at the fashion label that I worked at before I quit. So that's a throwback for sure. <laughs> we have, you have fans in here today. Look, Israel says, I think, I think photography is so much more than just good photos. Josh photos convey so much emotion and hearing how it connects with his couples. It definitely goes way past just technical and amazing skills. Yeah, I'm barely a photographer. Like, <laughs> I honestly don't have any technical skill. <laughs> I shoot in aperture priority mode 90% of the time. And, um, yeah, I honestly, the... Canon controls are like extensions of my fingers, so I don't even think about settings. I just kind of point and shoot. <laughs> I think that it's important. Melissa, she's getting, she's she's a uh, 
a member of the Talk Republic for a long time. She lives in Los Angeles and she's just starting into wedding photography. So I think that is good for her to understand that getting those connections with clients are what's really going to make a difference because otherwise you become kind of like a commodity based on price. And there is always somebody that is going to shoot for cheaper than what you should. And that's not a sustainable business to have. Definitely. Yeah. I lost a little bit of the connection there, but I think there? I heard what you said. Yeah. I mean, I hear you now. Um, yeah. And I guess to finish up her, her question, um, there's people doing it. So that tells you there's a need for it. Um, there's people that are get that travel the world photographing weddings. So that tells you there must be a client base out there that wants that. And, and also I think, um, other wedding photographers love to, to fly wedding photographers places for their wedding. So, um, I think I shot six weddings last year for other photographers. So we have actually two of your brides here today. We have Chelsea is here on the chat and we have Lara on the chat. And I was trying to upload <laughs> some of your photos in the comments. However, it's not letting me, but I will have that on the notes of this podcast. So once it goes live, I mean, on the podcast audio, people can actually take a look also at your work. So talking about your work, when we spoke earlier, I said that I think that your work, I mean, I, I love it. It's really pretty. But I think that when I see it, I feel that it's a little bit nostalgic for me. Oh, I don't know Sabrina, if Sabrina's a bride too. Sabrina's so. a bride. Look at her. She's here too. So I think that you're, you, the way you photograph people, it's very... It, how I see it, because of course art is, you know, different for everybody. How I see it, I think is very nostalgic and a very like romantic way. And I think it's, it's really pretty. You also pay close attention to the details, right? You're not only photographing the couples, but you're photographing the location where they're getting married, you know, like the farm, the, I don't know, the details of the grandmas, the dogs. I think it's really, really pretty how you do storytelling with your photos. And I think that's also very important. Yeah. Um, yeah, the landscape for me is everything. If I could, you know, when I was um, first picked up a camera and all I wanted to do was take photos of pretty landscapes and stuff, I just really, really wanted to incorporate that into into weddings. Um, I just think the setting, setting the scene is so important. Um, if for no other reason than just to help the couple remember their wedding better, like what was the weather like, you know, um, what color were the leaves and the trees, um, what did it, look like uh, when the light rose that morning or whatever um i think all of that just kind of helps them go back to that place mentally 20 years from now when they look back at their photos and just remember it all more vividly so the location and seeing the scene and shooting all the details it all plays a huge role in, in telling the story for me I think that's really, really pretty. And something also like if you are listening to this podcast, if you are, you know, into photography, something to consider, right? Sometimes we focus so much just on like the dress, the shoes, the invitations, kind of like the overall details that we forget about, like kind of like the big picture of the day, like kind of like the essence of what the day was. And I think that's also pretty to consider and to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all that stuff has a place. I mean, the, the, those are things details and decor and dress and whatever those are things that couples spend money on and put effort into the decisions for and um so you obviously want to photograph it but you just you don't need 30 angles of the cake <laughs> you just you know you just need to capture it and, um I, I don't think i can remember the last time i photographed the dress hanging by itself i think it's always going to look better when someone's wearing it 
Correct. I've been doing that in the past couple of weddings, and I think it looks much flattering than just hanging. So that's a good tip to have. Yeah. Okay, hold on. We have a question here. There is somebody playing ping pong in your office. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, if they, that's distracting. I can ask them to stop, but that's the nature of co-working, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So let's talk about it a little bit. So you get to travel all over. It's super fun, but you also have a family and you yeah. have small children. So let's talk about kind of like the no-so-fun side of this destination wedding photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like everyone, when you start a family, you, you definitely start to see time as a currency um, and as a very valuable thing. And so I guess that's when I really got serious about making sure that if I'm going to travel, it's going to be worth my while if you're going to take me away from my family. So... Um, I kind of have the joke now that I don't actually charge that much. I only charge $1,000, but my wife charges $1,000 as well. And then my daughter charges $1,000. And then my two boys, they charge $1,000 each as well. So <laughs> that's so that. Yeah, so it's all them, really. Um, so, no, that's. I guess uh, I have to make sure that it's worth my while. And and when a, when a wedding comes along that I think, would have a long-term benefit for mm -hmm. the future of my business and the prosperity of the business, then yeah, I don't mind you know, still doing the occasional uh, custom package that maybe isn't as lucrative, but it has other benefits. Um, anyway, so money aside, the, the time thing, um, yeah, it's hard. I, uh, I guess when we moved, we actually did attempt to move back to Australia two years ago and, um, it went really, really well. We, we, the goal and the plan was just to kind of be based in our hometown in Adelaide and only shoot kind of within a one-hour radius of where we live. And I, I would have probably never done another destination wedding other than coming back to the States to visit family and friends. And uh, so that was kind of the goal. And But deep down, I kind of knew that I would, got, would have got bored of that. Um, I just kind of don't like sitting still, staying in one place. It's, I think anyone who travels a lot can attest to just the whole travel bug thing and and um, the world is such a big place and there's so much to experience and, and I have FOMO, bad fear of missing out. Don't know what that means. And, uh, so we, we were living in Australia and it was just three of us at that time, my wife and and daughter and I, and um, out of the blue, we got pregnant a second time, but with twins the second time around. And so my wife was kind of like, ah, freaking out. I need to go home. So, you know, obviously a mother um, and just wants to be near her support system going through something as traumatic as raising twins. So uh, we kind of turned around on a dime and went back to Florida. And in doing that, I I kind of had to hit the ground running somehow and and the only way I could was to take whatever weddings came my way and, and all that was coming my way at that point was destination weddings. Um, so somewhere along the line, I had to embrace travel and with the blessing of my wife, who is amazing and never gives me grief about um, being away and, and just kind of sees this as like my opportunity to do what I love to do um she she yeah lets me lets me go 
go away and do this. And, and when I'm home, I just try to be as present as possible. Um, treat my job like a nine to five, go, go to an office and then come home and leave the camera in the bag, leave the computer in the bag um, and just you know, hang with the kids and, and create some memories. Um, and I think I do have a pretty good balance. I think, um, you know, when I go away for a wedding somewhere else in the US, it's never more than two or three, two or three days or three nights maybe. Um, the long ones that are harder are the trips back to Australia. But like I said, if I can squeeze enough weddings into the same trip, then I'll usually take the family with me. That sounds good. We have a question here from Chelsea, actually. You're right. And she yeah. says, oh, let me ask. She says, Josh, how do you feel about the extreme amount of photographers offering to travel for free to do destination weddings? Do you think this is starting to create unrealistic expectations for couples or what is actually involved in shooting destination weddings? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, think, I think it's cyclical. You'll... Like it'll be a big trend this time of year when um, Junebug announces their, you know, 100 best destination wedding photos or whatever. And then, um, you know, Facebook groups kind of go nuts with people putting their hands up for wedding referrals in places that they just want to go to and they offer to shoot for free and, and whatever. Um, but I don't think, I think photographers are way more sensitive to that than brides and grooms. Um, I don't necessarily think it stops them from making a decision as to whether or not they want to fly someone somewhere. Um, but yeah, I haven't. I think it's implied if you're going to inquire with a photographer who's not based where your wedding is, that you're going to have to contribute to their travel costs. Um, if they're not going to respect that, then they're probably not your bride or group uh, or couple. So, yeah. I think anybody that will make you or try to push you into do something for free that you don't feel comfortable with, it's better off just saying, nice meeting you, we're not going to do this. Because Absolutely. you might find yourself in a situation that is going to be really uncomfortable and no money is going to be worth that headache. Yeah, I mean, again, I still believe, I kind of subscribe to the whole long-term benefit thing. Uh, I still think there are instances where if you can see long-term benefit or uh, intrinsic reward, something other than money um, that you get satisfaction from, from doing a wedding, um, even even just to like go to a certain place and feel good about about it. Um, yeah, sure. But you're not going to run a, a really profitable business doing that. Um, it might look great for portfolio, but I think time will tell. Uh, the average kind of career span in wedding photography is only about three years. So there's up-and-comers that are just like flying everywhere, shooting for free, may not be around for forever. So that doesn't seem very profitable, too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about me. Tell us about your weddings. I'm going to post, post some pictures later on. But you are working on a project that is really interesting, that I really like, that I think is going to be beneficial for the whole wedding industry. And it is you have a workshop. So tell us about it. Yeah, um, Water for Horses. It's, First of all, I want you to tell us about the name and how the name came about. Yeah, this is funny because Evan, um, Evan Rich, he's the co-host. Uh, he and I kind of just joke that nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. And I don't know if that really is, but um, I don't know. I think we just wanted something that was kind of, 
goofy sounding, but there's also a little bit of merit to it. Like um, there's that whole uh, kind of idea that you're a lonely kind of island on, in this job. You, you're stuck behind a desk yourself. You have no one to talk to, no one to bounce ideas off of, and you're kind of like a lonely horse wandering through the desert. Hold on a second. <laughs> the ping pong is so loud over okay. here, so I don't know if people can actually uh, hear. Give me one, give me one <laughs> we are ruining somebody's party <laughs> right now. Telling people to cut it, cut it off with the ping pong situation. I'm gonna get to ask some of the questions that you guys are asking here on the comments. So once we cover uh, the water for horses, then we'll get to ask some of these questions. Let me get some water. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. All right, so much better now. Yeah, um, they were having a pretty crazy rally. They were having a good time there. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, have no idea where I was now. So we're talking about water for horses, but it means that you're a lonely person. Oh yeah, I think there's there. It's kind of a metaphor, I guess. Um, we just want to offer like uh, a place for people to go and celebrate this craft and um, and be with people that uh, you know really really enjoy it and and maybe have different perspective than what we have, and we might be able to. Um, not necessarily inspire anyone. I don't think we're like gurus or having think really hard factual knowledge to drop that you can't find out from any of the million other resources. But um, we do have a couple of really unique perspectives on different topics. And, and unlike myself, Evan is a really, really great businessman. <laughs> uh, so he is really good. I need to have him on the as a guest because he's really good at it. Yeah, definitely. And. Um, yeah, so the name is the name is a name, whatever. It's just weird and funny. And, so uh, pretty much it is a workshop that is going to happen in Miami. Yeah. And it's going to be a full-day workshop. And what's going to happen? Like, it's going to be – tell us about it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I can just blurt out everything that's on the website, or you could go to the No, website. you can't, but you can tell <laughs> us a little bit. Like, of course we're going to go to the website, but I want to know more about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so Water for Horses is actually in, on October 1st um, of this year. It's in a really kick-ass place called Maps Backlot. And if you live in South Florida or and you don't know where Wynwood is or you don't know about Wynwood, you need to get out and check it out. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Wynwood is kind of like, uh, the the new arts district epicenter of of South Florida. Um, it's just a very for a place that's relatively dry when it comes to creative endeavors and fun stuff to do for creative people. Um, Florida doesn't have a whole lot to offer, I would say, but Wynwood is definitely a place that I I feel inspired going to. Um, it's just full of artist studios and really interesting. Um, galleries, whatever. It's, it's awesome. So we're smack bang in the middle of that and um, we're basically just want to bring together as many people that want to um, come along and, and kind of celebrate what we do, um, this awesome job that we've kind of landed in. Uh, like I said, we all kind of come to this career by 
different routes and methods and and um, it's really about uh, kind of shifting your perspective to realize that you don't have to look around so much um, you can really get distracted by a lot of the industry noise um, you know there's sometimes there's the uh, the uh, quietest person in the room that gets all the attention and and I think uh, if you can just embrace who you are as a creative person, um, call yourself an artist and, and, and realize that artist isn't a dirty word. <laughs> you can uh, kind of create a pretty unique brand and, and um, style and you'll attract people that you want to work with and not necessarily just get treated like a vendor every weekend. So yeah, there's, without going too deep into the content, which is laid out much more clearly on the website. Um, yeah, I think it's just about shifting perspectives and then um, some pretty great business insight as well for how to have longevity in, in the industry as well. So people should expect, people that attend Water for Horses should expand a little bit of everything, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of business and a ton lot of like good times and friends. I mean, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's not, it's not a, podium speech where like there's somebody at the front with a slideshow and telling their story and showing awesome photos that you should be inspired by it's not like that at all um we've tried to avoid i guess the workshop cliche as much as possible it's more of a conversation like we'll literally just be sitting talking and letting the group kind of take the conversation where it needs to go so are they gonna gets... be uh a live shoot like yeah, yeah yeah definitely okay. definitely um yeah, and not one of those like bump and grind scenarios where you're all shooting the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. We'll probably have a, a few couples there. And um, we really are going to do a whole lot of instructing. Um, I think Evan has a few few key points he wants to show as far as shooting goes. But we really want people to come with their own ideas that they've always wanted to try and then just go after it. So here's a couple. Here's an awesome location. Go try that idea that you've been sitting on and haven't told anyone about. So uh, I think challenging people and empowering them a little bit to, to do things uniquely. I think the keyword here is empowering. I like that because sometimes you go to workshops and you feel like you're being kind of like told. And people are telling you that what you're doing is not the right thing and that what is the right way is their way. And that could be very discouraging. So like yeah. if you instead empower people to like embrace their uniqueness, I think that's where the key component is. Yeah, it's it's really hard to actually describe it without giving too much away. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're not gonna... Yeah, no, and um I guess that's you're definitely on the right track with the empowerment thing. Um one thing that's frustrating, I think there's literally no rules in this job. Uh, it's a completely unregulated industry. There's no one breathing down our neck saying that it has to be a certain way. And even couples are starting to come to us now with really wild ideas and, and whatever. And weddings don't really have any rules anymore either. But the thing that's interesting is that everyone's work still looks more or less the same. And so and I think how do you get away from that is, is the only way to do it is to really take a long, hard look at yourself and why you do things a certain way. And if somebody that you consider a peer or someone that you admire can say, hey, you should really embrace that about yourself and try to build your build your brand and your art around that. You're only going to attract more 
people that are, are drawn in by that. And um, you're going to attract more people that are like you and you're going to enjoy shooting those people and you're going to uh, just have a lot more, uh, I guess, satisfaction, job satisfaction, and uh, which is going to allow you to stay in the industry longer and, and um, yeah, hopefully make more money too. Awesome. That's, <laughs> so that's all we get. Well, that's, that's, that's where Evan comes in. <laughs> that's good. So I'm going to have all this information for Water for Horses also on the podcast notes. And when the time comes a little bit closer to October, I'm going to still, you know, talk probably with Evan. We should have him here on the Talk Republic so he can, you know, again, talk to about what, what the workshop is going to be all about and, you know, give us his perspective, perspective about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit distracted by the comments that keep coming up. <laughs> I know people are asking yeah. about some of, some of the comments. I am not posting them again because they have been answered at some point during the interview. So if you missed any of that, just go back to the beginning. Like Melissa asked, when did you start shooting destination weddings? You spoke about this already. Somebody asked about who are your favorite photographers? Do you follow other people or you try to stay away from that? So that's something that, I mean, I should have mentioned when I was talking about the workshop, just because I really don't think you need to look around very much. The only people I actively follow are my friends. And it's and even then, I try to view their work through a um, uh, kind of from a spectator point of view and not as someone who's going to critique or be inspired by their work. Um, sometimes I feel bad because my friends will comment on my stuff. Oh, I really like this. I really like that. And I'm... Uh, and I never comment on people's stuff like that. So people must just think that I, I hate everything. But um, I, I think it's really, really important to get your inspiration for for if you shoot weddings um, for from somewhere other than the wedding world. And it can be as far away from the wedding world as you like. Um, that's a really good way to kind of get away from all the industry norms and just trying to find a unique angle. For me, it's it's all. I'm giving away too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, it's all about uh, film, cinema. So, awesome. yeah, literally, I'll sit and watch Netflix and tell my wife that I'm doing research. <laughs> um, that is a good line. I'm gonna keep that. Yeah. No. I seriously. I I, I look at the way. Um, I try to like get inside the mind of the cinematographer when it comes to composition and, and um, focal length choice and color grading and how all of that affects the way that I'm feeling emotionally when watching it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really where I get all of my inspiration. Uh, there's photographers who I admire and people that I think do a really, really amazing work and not necessarily in the, in the wedding world. Um, there are others people, but um, yeah, unless they're like friends of mine or I'm not really following them or paying too much attention. Awesome. So to wrap up this interview, because you have a house to go back to your wife and your children, what is something that you are loving around this time? doesn't have to be with photography, something that you are really enjoying that you want to share with us. Oh, man. Um, it's what? Something that I'm photographing? or. Oh. Anything could be a new book you're reading or a show that you're watching on Netflix or anything that you are really enjoying right now. Well, I don't know. Uh, everyone else, if you're in the U.S., uh, everywhere other than South Florida right now, you're probably freezing cold. And 
I'm actually quite comfortable. So I'm really enjoying the weather. And um, <laughs> it's it's chilly for Florida, but it's it's like very, very livable. And so one thing I've been doing a lot lately is uh, skateboarding. Um, all my kids have scooters. So we go on little family cruises and I'll be skateboarding along with them and um, just having a blast feeling like I'm 13 again. So if you want to get away from the editing desk, just get yourself a longboard and go for a cruise. Sounds good. I might pick up that new hobby. Yeah, do it. <laughs> awesome, Josh. Thank you so much for being here with all of us, for sharing your knowledge with us. And I'm going to have all the information about your website and the workshop on the notes for this uh, podcast. And for everybody that joined us either in the United States or Australia or Japan, thank you so much for participating. It was great having you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for The Tog Republic Group on Facebook. Until next week. Thank you.